to Monica, and then I want you to hand this Bible to Frank. These are gifts that we give to our first-time visitors, so we would really like it if you would receive it from us and accept it, and uh, it's the King James Version, but it's still good stuff. You know, uh, I've already said that this is the one Jesus preached out of. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but anyways, I just wanted to make sure that we got those handed out before I forgot to do so. You know, God has given me a wonderful word for us this morning, but before we get into it, I've got a funny, and I know it's one that the home folk have already heard before, but some of you visitors, like the two new visitors today, I know haven't heard it, and I don't think the other people that are visiting, like Judy and uh, Alizea and Arthur, I don't think y'all have heard it yet either. It's, it's called the ducks in heaven. <laughs> She's already laughing because she knows how it goes. But anyways, it goes like this. There was these three guys who loved to play golf. Not unlike me. I love playing golf. But these three guys loved playing golf. Anyways, they get up, they get up to go play a game. And on the way, they have a wreck. And all three of them get killed in a car wreck. Anyways, they get up to heaven. And St. Peter, he starts, he meets him at the gate and he starts showing them around and stuff. And all of a sudden, the three guys kind of start whispering to each other. And one of them finally speaks up and Peter says, what's going on? And, Pete, and uh, the guy said, well, we want to know, do you have a golf course up here? And Peter said, oh yeah, man. He said, it's the best one you'd ever find anywhere in the whole wide world or up here. It's always kept in tip-top shape. The greens and the fairways are just excellent. You're not going to find a better one anywhere. And so, uh, anyways, the three guys uh, got excited about that. And they had a big smile on their face. And Peter said, there's only one rule here in heaven. And they said, what's that? And he says, don't hit the ducks. And they said, don't hit the ducks. And Peter said, yeah. He said, there's a lot of ducks up here. And if you hit one, he goes quacking. Pretty soon, the next one to him starts quacking. All of them start quacking. It breaks the peace and tranquility up here. So you don't want to do that. And he said, because there'll be consequences to pay if you do. And they said, oh, okay. So the next day, after they get to heaven, they get out to play their first game of golf. One of them hit a duck. It started quacking. All of them starts quacking. Here comes St. Peter. And he's got this ugly-looking woman with him. And he takes out a pair of handcuffs, and he handcuffs her wrist and says, which one of you hit the duck? The guy raises his hand, and the St. Peter clips the other handcuff to his wrist and says, now, y'all got to spend eternity together. So anyways, this has the other two guys kind of shook up a little bit, so it took about a week or two before they got out and played another game. One of them hit a duck, and here comes St. Peter with an uglier woman than the last time. And anyway, he comes up to, to the guy because he knows who hit it because of the sheer terror on the guy's face. And he takes out the pair of handcuffs, handcuffs her wrist to his wrist, and now y'all got to spend eternity together. And so anyways, this the other guy is so frightened, he don't want to do anything. He's not going to get out and even play a game of golf. He don't want to hit a duck. So anyways, one day, though, St. Peter comes up with this gorgeous, knockout, beautiful woman. 
and he takes out the pair of handcuffs and handcuffs her wrist to his wrist, turns around and walks off. And the guy says, man, what did I do to deserve this? She said, I don't know about you, but I hit it up. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of God today. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible with you, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews. No, I take that back. Not Hebrews. Second Corinthians. I'm sorry. Second Corinthians. We'll get to Hebrews here in a little while. But now, before I get into the preaching, I do have one more announcement to make. I don't know if when y'all came in, you saw the foyer table out there or not, but there's some pamphlets sitting on the, that table out there. One is called Belief, uh, Bible Basics for New Believers. So if you're a newborn again Christian, that would be a good one for you to pick up. And then there's this one called Don't Get Left Behind, talking about the rapture, because it's coming, folks. It may be another thousand years, but I doubt it very seriously. The way things are going, it's going to be pretty soon probably. But anyways, don't get left behind in the rapture. You're not going to want to have, have that happen because it's going to be so terrible whenever Jesus comes and takes his bride out of here. And then this one's called, Do All, Road, Do All Roads Lead to God? The Lord will tell you, yes, it does, but it doesn't. There's only one way to heaven. And that's through your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So you don't want to get deceived in these last days. And then there's another one called, Are You Going to Heaven? Each one of these is a good one. It doesn't matter which one you pick up. Matter of fact, I encourage you to pick up one of each on your way out. Because they're all interesting reading. This one's called, Do Good People Go to Heaven? Just because you're good doesn't mean you're going to heaven. You know, you've got to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so, in other words, uh, because there's more moral people, good moral people, that's in hell today because they didn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And then this last one I have is called, Where Will You Spend Eternity? You know, it's that's the most important decision you're ever going to make in your life, is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because without Him, you're not going to make it. You're going to get left behind in the rapture. You're going to miss out on heaven. And you'll spend eternity in hell, which is a bad place to be because there's nothing but eternal burning going on there. So you don't want to get left behind. You don't want to miss out on heaven. So please, if you would, pay attention today to this message. I believe it's going to change people's lives if they'll be willing to let it. I'm not saying nobody here, that there's anybody here that's not a Christian. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying is make sure that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Make sure that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Just like those of you who are watching by Facebook Live, I want y'all to make sure that you know Jesus as Lord and Savior before it's too late. Praise God. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. I don't know if I told y'all the chapter or not, but it's chapter 5. And when you find it, if you would, stand as we honor God at the reading of his word this morning. It says, For we know that if our earthly house, which is our body, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, 
a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly seeking, er, not seeking, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this, in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now if he, now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word today. We ask God that you penetrate our hearts with it. Show us if there's anything in us that needs to be changed. And Lord, Lord, we'll give you all the glory, the honor, and praise for it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. This passage of scripture tells us one thing for certain, that there is an afterlife, that this is not all there is. You know, I had a guy one time I was trying to witness to, and he says, I don't know about y'all, but I'm going in the ground, and that's going to be the end of it. There, there's no more after this. And I tried to explain to him, yes, there is. Don't let the devil deceive you. Don't let the devil fool you into believing this is all there is. There's a place called heaven. It's real. And there's a place called hell. It's real. And I tried to begin to explain to him and begin to witness to him, but he didn't want to hear none of it. He just said, I don't want to listen. I don't want to hear it. Stop talking. So I did. Because there is such a thing as casting your pearl before the swine. In other words, that if they don't want to hear it and you keep talking, chances are you're going to just push them further and further and further away from God. So you need to be sure that you use wisdom when you're trying to witness to someone. It's Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse number 1. Anyways... Uh, we need to understand that it is important that we witness. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't go witnessing to anybody because you need to. You need to also live the life in front of them because you can do damage to them in that way as well. If I tell you that Jesus has died for you on the cross and that this is the, this is the kind of life he wants you to have while you're here on this earth, and all of a sudden, you look at my life on pretty much a daily basis, or even every other week, and you know what kind of life I'm living, and you know that it's not according to the Word of God. You know that there's things, I'm lying, I'm cheating, I'm doing all these different kinds of things. If I'm doing those things, then my life is not matching up with my talk. And so you're going to pay attention more to my life than you are to the words I speak to you. But... You need to be listening to the words as well. And they both have, you have to walk the talk, so to speak. I don't know if I gave the, the title of this message or not, but it's called By Faith. By faith, you're going to make it into heaven. And this is talking about being absent from the body. A Christian is going to be in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. But you know what? Those that don't know Jesus, I don't know if they're going to go straight to hell or they're going to have to, they're going to be in that grave until the resurrection day. But there is something called the great white throne judgment. And whenever that happens, 
people that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior are going to have to stand before God and give an account of everything they've done, everything they've said, and God's going to have to, he's not going to have to, but what he's going to do is say to them, Jesus is, is, may be the one that says it, but any, either way, whether the Father or the Son says it, you'll hear the words, depart from me, you work of iniquity, for I never knew you. But, if you're a Christian, there's a whole different scenario taking place. You'll be at the judgment seat of Christ, and you'll have to give an account. But when all is said and done, he's going to say to his Father, my sins has covered their blood, they know me as their Lord and Savior. And Jesus and God's the Father's going to say to them, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. That's the one I want to hear. And I know I'm going to hear. But I'm just saying to us today that we need to take to heart and to listen to these words today that the Spirit of God is speaking through me. Because that's what a pastor does, is he delivers the message. And if you don't like it, I don't, I, I don't apologize for myself. I, I don't even apologize for God. If it's something that I've said that offended you, I'll be happy to apologize. But if it's something that the Spirit of God spoke through me to, that offended you, then you need to take it up with God. You need to tell, go to Him and say, Lord, why am I upset? Is it true about me? And if it is, then you need to make things right with but I'm just here to tell you today, folks, that this is telling us that there is an afterlife. There is a place that we're going to end up, either in heaven or hell. And this is talking that he has already prepared a place for us. In other words, he's already made arrangements. The Bible says in John chapter 14, it says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And so anyways, the invitation has been given. Everything that has to take place for you to be saved has already taken place. In other words, in other words, all you've got to do is accept it by faith that Jesus took your sins and he went to the cross of Calvary and he died on the cross. For your sins. And you think, well, didn't he for everybody? Yeah. But he's a personal God, too. In other words, even if you were the only one, if I were the only one who ever needed to be saved, Jesus still would have come and did all that he did and went to the cross of Calvary. Did you know that it wasn't the nails in his feet and hands that kept him nailed and kept him on that cross? It was his love for you and I. And that's what I'm here to tell you today. He could have called 10,000 angels to deliver him that day, but he didn't because he knew what was at stake. He knew what needed to be done in order to, to pay the price and the penalty for our sin so that we can have eternal life with him and with the Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. And so I'm here today, today to tell you, folks, after we're finished here this morning, I hope we're still friends. <laughs> It may sound like I'm coming across kind of hard on you, but I'm not trying to. I'm trying to get the truth across to you. I'm trying to let you know that, that, that you can miss heaven unless you know Jesus Amen. as your Lord and Savior. And so, anyways, that being said, we're going to...
Take just a moment now and, and look at verse number seven. It says, I walk by, for we walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, the world today is saying that Sister Karen is about to die. That's what the world's saying. That's what the doctors are saying. That's why she's in hospice right now in Victoria. A place called Hospice of Victoria Southwest. It's on Millette Drive if you want to go see her. She's in room 102. But anyways, we need to understand that that's the doctor's word, but not Jesus. Jesus said, I can heal anything and everything that ever happens to an individual. And it doesn't matter whether it's cancer, leukemia, uh, heart disease, diabetes, whatever the case might be. It doesn't matter. God is able to heal. Jesus is able to reach out right now and touch you in your body. If you've got a, a medical condition you want us to pray with you about after we're done here this morning, I'll be happy to do so. My wife and I will lay hands on you. We'll anoint you with oil. We'll pray the prayer of faith and we'll believe with you that you're healed and made well and whole. But you know what I'm trying to say is this, is that God wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. Don't believe everything that you're told because it may not be the truth. So in other words, we need to be walking by faith. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In other words, it's things I can't actually even see. You know, that's our problem a lot of times. We've got to see it to believe it. You know, it's been said that you only need to be listening to, I think, 25% of what you hear, about 50% of what you read, and, uh, and, and you know, that may be the truth. I don't know, but I do know this, is that we've got to continue to believe that God is able to do what he says he's going to do. And so, right now, did you know that you've got a devil sitting next to you? You do. In the house of God? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. He's sitting there right there. He's trying to tell you, don't be listening to this pastor now. Don't listen to a word he's saying. Where everything's going fine in your life. Don't worry about making a decision to accept Jesus. We're doing good. We're doing okay. you got money. You've got a house to live in. you got a nice car to drive. You've got a good job. You've got all these different things going on for you that's good. You know what? That's true about a lot of people. But it's also true they may not know Jesus. And they got to make sure they know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because did you know that you don't won't necessarily lose all those things? You won't necessarily lose your job. You won't necessarily lose your house. You won't necessarily lose your car. You won't necessarily lose your spouse. You won't necessarily lose your kids. There's a lot of things that you might not, that you might think to yourself, well, if I accept Jesus, then my family's going to turn against me. Well, I'd rather have my family against me. Praise God, that's not the case. My wife and daughter are both saved, praise the Lord. But even if they weren't, and if I came home and I told them, I got saved today, praise God. If they had said, well, get out of this house then. We don't want you around. I guess I would have found a new residence. Because I'm telling you, folks, there's nothing in this life that's worth losing your salvation. There's nothing worth losing your salvation. So I'm here to tell you today, folks, that we've got to walk by faith and believe in the things you cannot see. You know, faith is not one of the five senses. There's taste, smell, hearing, sight, and one more, and I can't think of what it is. 
touch. You're right. Amen. Thank you, sister. Touch. So there's those five senses. But then let me tell you something. Faith is not a sense. Faith is a reality, though. Faith believes for the impossible. Faith believes that Sister Karen is going to get up out of that hospital bed and walk out of there completely and fully whole and well. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm telling you, folks, faith does all of that for you and more. And it gives you the strength and the power to overcome sin and temptation in your life. Because the devil's got a trap all laid out for you. As soon as you get through hearing this message, and as soon as you leave this place, he's got a, a place all set out for you to follow after and to walk down. And there's going to be different kind of pitfalls. Like over in the golf course, there's what we call water hole. There's water to the left, there's water to the right. And I tell you what, and there's even a place where on hole six that you got to go over the water to get to the green. So, I mean, it's it's got its own places of difficulty but you know what if you careful you'll avoid those things just like i am most of the time sometimes not so much but anyways my point is is that we can avoid those pitfalls and things that the devil has laid out for us but we've got to be praying on a daily basis we've got to be seeking the lord and we've got to be listening to the holy spirit because he's going to speak to us sometimes it's in a commanding voice I mean, just as bad as loud as I am, if not louder. Other times, it's like this. A still, small voice. We've got to listen. We've got to be willing to listen to whatever God tells us. And we've got to be obedient to what he tells us. If there's something in our life that needs to be changed, we need to change it. Otherwise, we could end up going in the wrong direction. So I would encourage us today to take hold of these things. Now I'm going to have us turn to Hebrews. I'll give you a few minutes to get there. Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the faith chapter. It goes right in line with what I'm speaking on this morning. Hebrews chapter 11. Pastor Laura, can I have a sip of your water, please? More like a gold, but still. Anyways, I get dry sometimes when I'm up here preaching. I should have got me some water before I started. Hebrews 11, verse 8 says, now I'm going to hold on because I'm going to read pretty much the entire chapter. It says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which was, has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, 
but having seen them from afar off were assured of them, embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country <coughs> from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered of Isaac, and who, he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he had also received him in a figurative sense. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped leaning on the staff, top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover, and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would call, fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Thank you. Uh, oh, yeah. Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, 
that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Did you notice how many times the expression by faith was mentioned? It was quite often. It was quite often because we need to understand today, folks, that faith is the only sure way of success with God. His version of success is so much different than the world's. The, the economy of God is different than the world's. But we need to understand today, folks, that by faith, all of these things took place. Now, some people say, this ain't nothing but a book of fairy tales. That's what they would have you to believe today. That these things were just a, a, a figment of somebody's imagination, that they were just bedtime stories, so to speak, that they're just fables. In other words, they're not even true, really. They're just myths. But you know what? God's word is infallible. It's inerrant, which means it's error-free. Everything in here actually took place. And you know what? There was a story about how the Egyptians were drowned after the people of Israel got all across the Red Sea for their escape. And you know what? There was a, uh, I heard about a, this, I don't know if this is a true story or just a made up one to, to get the story up here out, but there was this professor apparently one time who asked his students, uh, if they believed that the Word of God was actually 100% true, well, most of them raised their hand. He says, I can't believe that. I'm teaching a bunch of idiots. He said, they don't know. You can't tell fact from fiction. And a few hands went down. And then he said, well, uh, I don't know what to say. I guess I'll be trying to teach people that don't might not, you know, learn the truth. Anyway, everybody's hand went down but one. This guy's one hand was still up, and he said, he goes, you couldn't tell me that you believe everything in that Bible. And he said, sir, he said, the Bible was written to God's people. He said, that's what you get for opening other people's mail. You know, we need, to <laughs> we need to understand that it, and, and there was another story. Let me tell you this one real quick. Same kind of scenario, same kind of situation, and then the, the one that stood the guy had asked him, he says, you mean to tell me you believe that, that at that time, since there was only a few inches of water, a whole army got drowned? And he said, that's right. He said, that's even a better miracle than I thought it was. They got drowned in a few inches of water instead of a whole raging sea. You see, what I'm trying to get across to us today is this, that faith does many things. Faith shuts the mouths of lions with Daniel. Faith gets you through the fiery furnace, like the three Hebrew children. Faith gets Paul out of out of prison on more than one occasion. You know, what I'm trying to say is this, folks. He finally did die a martyr's death. The Bible does talk about that. Or or at least the, the history talks about that. That every one of the disciples died a martyr's death, except maybe John. Yeah, I think he died of old age on the island of Patmos. But anyways, the history of the Bible talks about how that every one of the disciples of Jesus ended up dying a martyr's death for the cause of Christ. And that might be the case one of, one of the days for us. We may have to take a stand for Jesus. We may have to say, 
I'm going to believe in Jesus no matter what. Somebody may put a gun to your head and say, you don't either, either renounce Jesus or I'm going to blow your brains out. You've got to make a decision right then and there. The Bible says if I deny him, he's going to deny me before the Father in heaven. So I've got to make that decision. And I believe I'd say, go ahead and shoot. Because I'll be in a much better place. But what I'm trying to get across is this. We've got to make sure that our relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important thing. Yes, our spouse is important. Yes, our children are important. Yes, our jobs are important. Yes, everything else in this world may be, to a certain extent, be important. But nothing is important as you making sure that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So that you can make eternal eternity in heaven with the Lord. Amen. You know, I, I want to point out real quick in the next few verses of chapter 12, and I'll be closing pretty soon with this. In verse number 1 of chapter 12 of Hebrews, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily <coughs> ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, there's going to be things that we're going to have to deal with in this life that we want to get rid of because. I know when I got first got saved, there's only two things that the Lord immediately, just like that, took away from me. My desire for drugs and my desire for alcohol. But I had more problems with me than that. I had a mouth that just wouldn't quit spitting out cuss words. Right, left, center. I mean, everything pretty much out of my mouth was a cuss word. And God had to deal with me on that. And then I was also still looking at pornography. I had books and magazines stuffed all underneath the couch where I laid at to go to sleep at night in my mom and dad's house. I, I, God dealt with me on that. And then there was other things as well. I'm not saying that this is necessarily a sin, but it's not healthy. I would use Copenhagen a lot. God dealt with me about that. Showed me I need to quit doing that. There's a lot of things that we need to give up in order to be pleasing unto the Lord. But you know what? You don't have to do it alone. When you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He gives you the power. He gives you the authority over every demon of hell, over every temptation of life that you'll ever face and deal with. He's got it. He gives you the strength to overcome and to be a victor, not a victim. So I encourage us today to take to heart the words that have been spoken to us this morning. Let's take a moment and just ask ourselves, do I know Jesus? Has my name been written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Because in Revelation chapter 21, I believe it is, or chapter 20, it says that anyone's name who's not found in the Lamb's Book of Life will be cast into the lake of fire. And there will be nothing but eternal burning. And in golf, there's something called a mulligan. On occasion, you get to take another swing at a ball. In other words, 
if I tee off the first hole and I don't like my shot, as long as the person I'm playing with is agreeable to it, then they, and if I'm not playing with anybody, I'm agreeable to it. <laughs> Anyways, I take another shot, and I hope it's a better shot than the one I just previously hit. But when you die, you're not guaranteed a mortal. My mom is one of the blessed. She came back to life. She was already a Christian. But when she did die on the table at the hospital, but then my sister began praying earnestly for her, and all of a sudden, life came back into her, and she got resurrected, so to speak. But what I'm saying is, is that not all, all people are guaranteed that. The Bible says this. Says after the, that says this, it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Most likely, you're only going to get one bite at the apple. So I pray that if you don't know Jesus this morning, that you take this opportunity whenever I say the sinner's prayer to repeat it after me. And I, I encourage everyone in here actually to repeat it. But, anyways, if if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes in just a moment. And I'm going to ask if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus but wants to today. I want to have you lift up your hands. But if you if you would, when we open our eyes and everybody begins to pray this sinner's prayer, because I'm doing it just as much for the people by Facebook Live as I am for people that are here in person this morning. So if you need to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, today's going to be your opportunity. You know, for a long time I ran from God. You would have thought that the first wreck I had that almost killed me and should have killed me, that God had grace on me. And I didn't die that, day, that night as I drove my dad's truck after coming out of a bar and a strip joint. Anyways, I prayed. I, I didn't pray. I, I got him behind the wheel is what I meant. I got in behind the wheel, I started it up, I backed up, I got to the exit of the place. The next thing I remember of the whole night, and even to this day, the very night itself, is all I remember is, is that the police were helping me to get out from underneath the steering wheel, because it was that far from the seat, and that would have killed me. And if that wouldn't have been kill me, I would have had at least a foot chopped off, because the motor pushed into the cab. And also, all of the windshield of the truck was smashed out. I mean, I should be dead for all intents and purposes, but God had mercy on me. And all I got out of it was needing a few stitches in my forehead and uh, a bruised knee. That's all I remember getting out of it. But anyways, I got my heart right with God on the fourth arrest, not the first. And that was my first arrest. You'd have thought I'd have had sense enough to give my heart to Jesus at that point. I didn't. Anyway, I waited and I waited and waited. And I was 12. When I got out of church, I was about 18 years old. And it was I was almost 27 when I came to come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I'm here to tell you tonight, folks, today, folks, this morning. Don't let that opportunity pass you by. If you need Jesus, when we ask when I ask that question in just a moment, just all you got to do, I'm not going to embarrass anybody, just raise your hand right up, right back down, and I'll pray with you. But it'll also be, like I said, hopefully when everybody does raise their heads and opens their eyes, that you'll all pray the sinner's prayer with you. 
especially the youth that are loved by Facebook Live. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute. Today, maybe God spoke something through me that has touched your heart, that showed you you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you want to make that decision for Jesus today. If that's you, would you raise your hand and let me pray with you to, for, for salvation? Yes. Anyone else? All right. Let's open our eyes and look up here if you would. You know, I don't believe in long altar calls. I believe that God is dealing with hearts and he can do it just that quick. And that's what he did with me that night in that holding cell, the night I gave my heart to Jesus. I was in there by myself, and I was, all of a sudden, I heard this voice. And I'm an audible voice. It sounded almost audible to me. I mean, it was pretty loud. But it, it just kind of spoke whisperingly first. Called my name. I looked up, looked around. Nobody had been added to the cell. Looked down again, looked up, because I heard it again, I looked around, nobody there. <coughs> when I went to look down the, the last time, the third time, all of a sudden it was like a shout. And my name was called. And I stood up and I looked straight up and I said, oh, it's you. <laughs> Talking about God. And the Lord began telling me, come on home. And I said, but God, you can't want me after all I've done. And I started telling God all my sins and everything. And he said, come on home. Finally, after about five or six times, after I was trying to tell him all my sins and why he couldn't want me, he just said, come on home. And then he ended with this. I'll never will forget it. He said, are you coming home or not? This is your last chance. And see, I didn't know that he meant that if I had died in my sin, I would have gone to hell. I've been taught that once saved, always saved. So I thought to myself, well, that means I know Jesus is my Savior because I was saved. When I was actually 15 years old. But you know what? God showed me later on in the years that had I died that night and with or died in between that night in the in the wreck or anywhere in between the night I gave my heart to Jesus. If I had died, I would have gone straight to hell. But God had mercy on me all those years. And for about 12 years I ran from God and I came back to God just like I said, when I was almost 27, I came to the Lord and I said, I'm coming home. And I've been with him ever since. That was 27. I'm 64. That's 37 years I've been with him. And, and I've been in the ministry for at least 30 plus of those years. So I'm here to tell you today, folks, that we need to be sure that our name is written in that pamphlet of life. Because you're only going to get the one opportunity after this, the judgment. Would you pray with me the sinners of God? Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to forgive us of all our sins. We ask you to give us your life, to give us forgiveness for our sins, and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Live your life in me and through me. From this day on. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. You know. If you said that prayer in faith just now. Whether it's in person or in Facebook live. If you said that prayer just now. You got saved. 
you are now a lamb in the Lamb Book of Life. You're going to be going to heaven when you take your last breath here on this earth. Or if the rapture happens, you'll be going in that rapture. All of a sudden, you'll leave this world. We talked about it in that first song we sang in praise and worship. I'll fly away. Praise God. How many of you are going to be flying away? Amen? Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and be dismissed in prayer. Brother Marvin, would you dismiss us in prayer today? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. Thank you for all those who came, Lord. And may this message touch their hearts and lives, Lord. Be with us as we go out. Keep us, Lord, keep us safe. And we give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' holy name we ask you. Amen. Amen and amen. We love you. Oh, let me say this. If you just accepted Jesus as Savior, or even if you didn't, then you can come back tonight at 6 o'clock. We have service at 10.30 on Sunday mornings with 9, 9.45 to 10.15 intercessory prayer on Sunday mornings. We also have Sunday night service at 6. We have also uh, intercessory prayer on Tuesday nights at 7.14. Come and be a part of that. I know you'll get a blessing out of it. We're located at 201 West Bruce or Royce, however you want to pronounce it, Boulevard. We'd be glad to have you. God bless you. We love you. You're dismissed.